Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. We're going to be in Luke chapter 21. I know Pastor Dean was excited that I was getting better because he didn't want to have to preach tonight. And uh, just teasing, but um, they had to take a small trip with, uh, I think, Brooks, Brooks's team, I think, tonight. We're getting a tournament this week somewhere, anyhow. Charleston, I think someone said it, but anyhow. I think they headed down that way this afternoon, but we're glad to have you with us this evening. And we'll promise, I'll promise you, I lost my voice in Sunday school, but I promise you, I won't finish even if I have to whisper. And I'll, I'll get it done tonight, uh, but uh, I'll try to... Uh, Stay on point this evening, not spend news all my energy up that I have left tonight. But I will say this uh, I'm going to jump way ahead of my notes here uh, for the message this evening. But I, I got to tell you, I love the Word of God. And uh, I'm not just saying that. Uh, I, I've, I, have, I, have a, I believe I have a relationship with the Word of God. It's not just something that I got used to doing every day or every week or whatever in my life, but it's, a, it's something I have a relationship with. And, uh, and in that relationship, uh, I believe God opens some things to you to see and understand about the Word of God itself. Uh, being married now for 42 years or things about my wife, I know. I wish I didn't know. <laughs> Amen? And there are things about her I'm glad I know now that I'm glad I do know. But it's been that relationship that we've had for all these years that I can say that. And uh, what I'm trying to get to, and I'll get to this a little bit later on in the message, is that while all the Bible may not be written to you, all the Bible was written for you. And there's something in every bit of scripture for us to glean from. And I believe it goes back to what Isaiah says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, uh, there a little. Uh, and the Bible's full of principles that we are to live by. And tonight's going to be one of those nights, I'm jumping way ahead of my notes here this evening, but uh, uh, laying the groundwork for this. Uh, but we're gonna, Did I tell you Luke 21 yet? Did I tell you that yet? And uh, the scripture we're going to be reading this evening is a portion of scripture that we feel uh, deals with the nation of Israel in this portion of Luke here, the verse that we're going to read. And I know it may seem a strange place to jump off where I'm heading in my message, but I want to show you something in this passage as God talks about the nation of Israel and what they were going to face, and they did face already uh, in their history, uh, but uh, what, what we're supposed to do in times like that. So uh, if you got it, let me, let me tell you a story first. Years ago, you got to have a story, right? Can't start preaching without a story, amen? And uh, it's a Yankee thing. But uh, years ago, there was a, a small town that had a private zoo. They had a gorilla who was so popular that tourists kept coming back to town to see this gorilla in the zoo. Unfortunately, the gorilla died of old age, and the owner asked one of the employees if he would, uh, he would pay him extra money if he would wear a gorilla suit and act like the gorilla in the cage so people would come and keep seeing him and keep this thing rolling uh, and try to fool the people before they figure out what's going on. 
So they did that, and surprisingly, it kind of worked for a while, and the people came to the zoo, and they saw this human-like gorilla. But of course, uh, uh, interest over time kind of waned. They kind of got used to it, and kind of people maybe figuring out what was going on. So there was some pressure put on the employee to perform some extra tricks to keep drawing the crowd to come in. So sadly, the employer uh, uh, took a step out too far on a branch, and the branch broke. And he grabbed a hold of it with one of his hands and was hanging there. And they were all, of course, in shock, afraid he was going to fall. But the branch broke and fell over top the lion's cage in the zoo. And, of course, after a while, the, this uh, employee lost his grip on the branch. And he had to let go. And he fell down into the lion's cage on the zoo. And the lion, of course, first of all, was just laying there kind of lazily on the ground while this was going on. And suddenly... He got up in his prance, his predator mode, and he was going to uh, prowl up behind the uh, gorilla. But the gorilla was now yelling, help, help, help. <laughs> and the lion slowly prowled up behind the gorilla, and he finally whispered, shut up, we're going to get fired. because he lost his grip. Anyhow, if you wish, stand with me to Stephen as normal. We're reading a few verses, starting in verse number 8. Luke chapter 21 and verse number 8. And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall be there from heaven. Look at verse 12. Before all these things, before these things happen, these wars, these pestilence, these famines, these things to be afraid of, uh, nations rising up against nation. Look what he says. They shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. And he, as we mentioned already, we're talking to the nation of Israel, the, these early Christians, if you would, these Jewish people are being saved. They're being warned here, what's going to happen to you? Uh, what's going to happen to your country? Uh, your I'm sorry, your nation, if you would. And uh, look what he says in verse 13. And it, shall turn, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts. Do uh, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, and I could tell some jokes there, but I'm not going to do that, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Verse 19, in your patience... Possess ye your souls. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God this evening. We thank you for these, these little principles that I see in God's word this evening that are so special to me. They're, 
They're, they're uh, very meaningful to me. They've helped me to get through many things in, in my life and helped me to keep striving on to serve you and keep hanging in there and being faithful to the call of the ministry. And Lord, we ask you please to bless us tonight. May we have opening ears and, and open hearts this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I mentioned this already in, uh, before we read about this being a prophetic section of Luke's gospel. It's in correspondence with the Olivet Discourse in Matthew and Mark. And then there's a contrast with the sliminarity. And, uh, of course, we understand I'm, I'm, there's some prophecy here. But the prophecy here that we just read has been fulfilled. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D., it was already taken, that already happened. But, Paul, uh, but Matthew gives us some questions. If we go back and read the same text in Matthew, Matthew said, when shall these things be? That this, that is, one stone uh, not left upon another. What shall be the sign of thy coming? And, that, and then, what is the end of the age? And we're all asking that even today, aren't we? In fact, if you could find a good title, you can make some money on a book, even though you're wrong. Right? If you find a date, you can figure out, go through Scripture and figure out how you got that date and make it work and write you a book and then don't give the answer in the book, you can make some money on it. But uh, we're always looking for when's that going to be. And I, and I know we're, in, we're inquisitive. We're, we want to see, we want to know what the end times are. I would like to know when my last breath is. Would you? No. <laughs> Some of you are a little apprehensive about that. Not sure if you want to know when the last breath is. And I'm not sure I want to know that either. But, but I think may, we may change the way we live if we thought it was tomorrow. Or if we thought we had 20 years, we may say, well, we've got plenty of time to hang in there. I'll change later, right? So we don't, but we're inquisitive about these things. And in this chapter, Luke here is, at, uh, is kind of answering uh, some of this question. And Luke deals with one of the most practical aspects of the prophecy that there's no mystery or speculation of his meaning because, because of Luke's record, there's no longer this prophecy. It is now to us, it's history, even though it was prophecy when it was being written. It was fulfilled, as I mentioned already. And prophecy uh, was molded into which history is now poured from. And uh, it's already been there. So when the Lord mentions earlier in the chapter the poor widow who gave uh, all that she had to the, to the uh, synagogue... Remember, Jesus said that she had given all, she had given more than anybody else. The, the synagogue, and I'm trying to kind of quickly go through this introduction to get where I want to get to in the message, but uh, it had riches, and it was a place of uh, value, and there was money there. And back to about the church didn't, the synagogue didn't need the widow's mites, by the way. It was a place of wealth, and it was recognized for that. It had impressive wealth, uh, wealth. Uh, and uh, even the building itself uh, had riches and valuable stones and construction. Uh, it was an, an impressive thing to look at. But, uh, uh, and it would be something even as, uh, it would be magnificent if you would, but in, in a few years it's going to be laid to rubble, even though it had its wealth. And that is the way you and I should see the wealth of this world, that what we may call wealth, listen, uh, one day it's going to be all laid to rubble. It's going to be all laid to rubble. And uh, I'm still a guy that I want to see my money. Right? I want to see all that gold I don't have. 
Uh, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. Uh, the Bitcoin thing is something that you just see on a piece of paper. That scares me. I want to see my money. In fact, some of you may think it's funny. I still, I still uh, uh, reconcile my checkbook, even though I do all my banking online. You with me? Well, I want to know the last penny that that guy got from me that belongs back to me. Okay, I'm that guy. But one day we have to realize that's going to be all gone. It won't matter anymore. And Luke, and that Luke emphasizes about the synagogue. There shall not be left one stone upon another. Destruction of Jerusalem. And undoubtedly, the Lord's given his teaching over and over again. And I'll get to my point in a second. Just hang on with me as I try to lay this down for us this evening. And, uh, uh, and it talks about there are going to be many false Christs. Uh, who are going to come and profess. There was false Christ in, in the uh, early church age, as we have today, who are professing a false Christ, if you would. Uh, there were false messiahs in his day, just as we have false messiahs today. There are those today who, that in his day that claimed a supernatural power. Even today, we talk about that. And we, I mean, we're even now at the point where we're so brazen today, we're talking about raising somebody from the dead today. God help us where we've gotten to in the name of religion. And war and other characteristics of the age are going to intensify. And I don't know, I, I, I mean, as far as I can tell from history, there's always been a war going on somewhere. I know this, when you get two or more people together, there's going to be a war. <laughs> Amen? It's just the way it is. And uh, we cry for peace and safety, but destruction cometh. As to travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape, First Thessalonians talks about. And we, we see this happening, and, and uh, John 15 talks about, uh, about the being hated, and uh, you'll be hated for me, and as the, the world's going to hate you, and, and they're going to uh, 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 come after you, and they're going to try to uh, uh, persecute you, if you would. And we see all these things happening in this text here. And you say, well, okay, great, Pastor Barry, you haven't impressed me at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> Let's get down to where you and I live today. If you and I are followers truly of Jesus Christ, we are not going to win any popularity contest. That's right. That's right. The things we hear today in a vast number, and they seem to be going faster and faster and faster against us. If you believe and listen to all the noise of the news and the media, you would think that, that uh, we have no idea where we're at. We have no idea what's happening in our world. Things are just whatever falling apart. And, and we could talk about that for hours. I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. I believe just as much, I think still more good's happening in the world than there is bad, by the way. I don't believe we're as in the days of Noah. Because there are a lot of good things still happening in our world today. Amen. Yes. So that gives me hope that we're not done with. But we listen to the stock market and we listen to the economy and the jobs and, my word, the gasoline prices and, and uh, uh, the, the talk about war. And we, of course, always want to blame the, the poor president, no matter who he is or who it may be. Uh, it's always their fault. And uh, all this stuff will be going on and on. And it isn't, many, isn't it amazing that when they raise things on you, they never take it back? And once it's changed, it never changes back? Okay, do you know we change presidents every few years? So how can it be all their fault? 
if things never go back to where they were, just give you some thinking process here. Uh, let's go on. We have taken the freedom of speech so far today to the point that it's okay to violate someone else's freedom of speech so we can have our freedom of speech. And we're now violating other people's freedom of speech. We've taken God so far as being uh, the, the main start and focus of our educational system. So we took that out of the school uh, because it may violate someone else's religious beliefs. If you don't start with God, you're starting on the wrong place. And, but we don't want to offend someone else. We'll offend them. Go back to where you came from. If, I mean, I'm not trying to be unkind here, but if you're offended by our God and Christianity, then go back to where you came from. But we're, but we're happy to have you. You with me? We're happy to have you here, but don't be changing who we is. And, 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 uh, and listen, it seems decency and honesty and morality are not important anymore. We elect a leader who may have some decency and some honesty, which I know it's been a while. And, uh, and, and some, we can really trust what he says. God, boy, I wish we could have a, a reincarnated Ronald Reagan again. You know what I mean? Some of you have no idea who that is. Look him up. He's in the history book. And, uh, but man, uh, he, he, boy, what a president. And uh, how he spoke and communicated with us. And how, boy, we could use someone like that uh, again. But I think those days may be past. But because we don't agree with whoever that party may have been or whatever the situation may be, I would even, listen, you, you may think I'm crazy. If we could find a decent, moral, honest, truth-searching uh, Democrat president, I'd like him. I know some of you are like, oh, never again. That's the problem in our country, isn't it? Well, we can't find it. Uh, now, listen, I know it's a miracle to find one. It's also a miracle to find a Republican one, by the way. Okay, let's just put, the, put it down where, where it's at now. Okay, we're all, we're all where we're at. And you, we look at these things. Where you, where, you are so far, where are you at? Nation of Israel, now we're talking about presidents and whatever. Listen, and, and here's where, let me get to the text here. There is a principle of living in this great text. What I'm trying to parallel is, is the, what's going on with the nation of Israel being threatened by what's going to happen to it and what we're being threatened with day by day in our lives. And there's some principles in this text I want us to bring out this evening and live by. This is where I'm headed to. I'm just kind of laying the groundwork here. This Bible that you and I say that we love and we study and we want to learn its deepest truth. And I think we should. But as I said in class this morning, uh, there's nothing from this Word of God that you can't learn that a preacher has already learned. Because it's for all of us. We don't need a high priest to tell us everything anymore and pray for us anymore. You with us? We have a high priest. But I'm concerned a little bit how we are now God's people, how we are approaching the Bible. First of all, it is God's word to us. Second, it's not only truthful, it is his word for us. And here's the key to live by. To live by. Thirdly, I must find its principles so I can live by them every 
day of my life. So what do I find in this text of principles that I can live by? Please, don't take me wrong this evening whatsoever, please. This Bible is a book of learning, yes. It is a book of learning. But listen, more importantly to you and I as individuals, it is a book of living. You with me? It's a book of living. And what we're missing today in, in our churches, our, our preaching, our, our teachings, a different matter all together, uh, teach, our, our preaching in our churches is we're not looking at the Bible as a book I live by. It's a book that I just want to learn. And do you realize there are professors in ungodly universities who teach the same Bible because they learned it? Well, this Bible is a life-changing living book that changed our lives. It should be something that guides us and directs us in life as we go. It's a living book. It's not dead. The author's still alive, by the way. And it's present, and, and listen, and, and I believe that God's promised this word of God for every listen, generation. We can't find anything more livable in this word of God than the generation before us found. Or generation before them found. Or generation before them found. Why? Because God has always promised to us he would preserve his word. He would protect his word. It would be available for all those who were seeking to find his word. It would be there for them that they can be living, born-again creatures trying to live and serve after God. And I believe that God promised it for every generation. We haven't got something on generations gone past. It is for this present age, as much as it was for the past age, and it will be for the future age. It is a living book. It is a book for the living. Amen. Yes. You with me? So, done rambling. Here's the message. Got guys in the sound room up the third saying, finally he's getting to his notes. <laughs> but I'm kind, of, I'm kind of delirious tonight. The drugs got me all messed up. Anyhow, I'm just teasing. But here's the principles we can live by. Knowing what, listen, knowing we are living life with the guidance of God's word to me is one of the most important things I see daily in my life. The world's mixed up. It's changing. No, I used to say daily. Now it's changing by the moment. But look at verse, verse 14, and here's one of the principles. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts. Do not meditate before what you should answer. And God is saying, already know your answer. When things around you begin to fall apart, things around you are looking awful, dark and dim and, and gray, and there's no way out, already have it settled, well, how are you going to respond to it? Have it settled in your heart. Don't say, oh, man, what am I going to do now? Have it settled beforehand. Don't think so much about what you are, what you, what you, uh, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. Don't uh, think so much about it. Have it already settled. Here's what I'm going to do. Verse 19 says this. In your patience, possess your souls. 
Listen, the Bible is very clear. The principles are this, that I need to have things settled in myself, how I'm going to approach whatever may happen in my life, whatever may happen to our country, whatever may happen to our world, whatever may happen to my family, whatever may happen to our church, whatever may happen. I need to have to settle how I'm going to react, what's going to happen there, and I need to have patience in, in my soul. I need, what, what, here's the title. I need to get a grip on myself or get a grip. That's the message tonight. It's going to be easy to remember. Get a grip. Have it settled. Possess in your patience, possess your soul. Be in charge of yourself. Amen. And know what's going to happen. When it happens, this is what I'm going to do. Get a grip on yourself. You can endure it. Why? It's, listen, it's going to come. Get a grip on yourself. And Luke here is looking in the future at things that will happen worldwide. And he's sharing with us. And he says, listen, number one is this. As you get a grip, realize this is all a part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Get a grip on yourself. As the world goes, listen, God's not surprised by what's happening in 2023. He full well knew 6,000 years ago plus when he created his old mud ball, it was going to happen. He's not surprised by what's happening here, all right? But he has a plan. And Jesus is speaking here of things to come uh, and be not deceived. It's going to get worse. There will be those who will come in my name. You are going to hear about wars and rumors of wars and commotions, but don't be terrified. Get a grip. Get a grip on things. Man, in my uh, adult life, in the last uh, 40 years, if you would, my mature adult life, uh, man, there's been, oh, poor Jimmy Carter, the, the Iran hostage episode, Grenada, the Persian Gulf War, the Cold War finally ending, the walls came down, Desert Storm, Kosovo, Africa, bombings, embassies, ship, uh, embassy in the, sh uh, the ships being bombed, Twin Towers, Operation Freedom Strike, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Ukraine. Hey, it keeps going. Get a grip on yourself. Settle in yourself. Ha have yourself uh, possessed with what's going on. Patience in yourself is happening. I'm still in control. I'm not surprised. God says. So you get a hold of yourself. It's going to be all right. God says, during all this, get a grip. Settle yourself. Have patience in your souls. I'm still in control. And you decide. You do what you're supposed to do and don't change a thing. Because, listen, nations will rise against nations. There will be those who will try to unite the kingdoms, but it will not last. There will be earthquakes. There will be earthquakes in many places, and there may be more of them. Maybe California may fall off the continent. I don't want to lean either way on that area. Well, we've got some extra baggage. There will be famines. There will be pestilence. There will be a lack of food. There will be diseases. Or should we say there will be AIDS. There will be cancer. There will be COVID. And the list is going to keep going, by the way. God is not going to let sin go unpunished. Sin is an end and the end is death. 
And mankind cannot continue to sin and believe that God's not going to let, let things go by unpunished. Are you saying all these diseases and things are from sin? They sure are. I'm not saying because some individual. I'm just saying because of sin, corruption is coming to the world. We find a cure for one disease, there will come another one. Not until we stop our wicked ways will there be a release from these diseases. Folks, we, we, we got to realize where we're at. We got to understand where we're at. I'm not trying to say just roll over and play dead just the way it is. I'm saying just settle yourself who you are. Get a grip. Possess your soul with patience. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. But you and I need to remain, need, need to remain the saver that spares this old world a little longer. Had not it be for God's people, where would this world be at right now? You and I have an important role. We cannot lose our savor. J. Vernon McGee says that the Scots translated that word savor uh, to a more expressive word, the word tang. The word tang, and I I like that word better, if you would. Uh, if If salt has lost its tang... And the problem today is that most church members have lost their tang as their salt. And they've lost, and, and, but as pepper, they've lost their pep also. Well, we can't lose who we are this evening because things are going the way they are. We, we have to learn how to live with what's going on, yes. And we have to live in some trying times, of course, yes. But listen, have it settled what you're going to do. Since I've been mature enough to understand what's going on around this world... In God's church, we've pretty well fall off the plumb line. We've gone off the wagon in the last 40 years. I cannot believe what we allow and just sit back and just live with right now. What we accept. What we just say, well, that's just the way it is. It's the young generation. No, it's a sinful generation. Just like you had a sinful generation. And we let things go by. We don't, we don't approach it. We don't want to, that's just the way things, that's not just the way things are. There wasn't a way in my house. I didn't say, oh, my, dear, that's just the way the kids are. We got to let them go. No, I promise you, we had a plumb line. Amen? And we exercised the plumb line when we needed to. Amen? And we got things the way they were. And, uh, 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 but we're letting things in our churches just go, ah, oh, just uh, kind of the way it is. And I had a whole section on this, and I cut it way out of there, and I won't, I won't spend time on that this evening. But it seems like as long as we're getting by, we're okay to accept things, even though they're sinful, they're wicked, and they're wrong, and they're destroying our country. Why is it that there is no man in the family? There's got to be a reason why. Right? Right? Why is it their homes are the way they are? There's got a reason why. Why is it that we, culturally we've gone the way we've gone? Uh, I mean, we, we're even so, uh, uh, we're okay now with the fact as well, we realize that not everybody, everybody's just a Christian because you're in America. We're okay, we're okay with that. But I'm not okay with that. Because the world seems like it's going farther, farther off the deep end while we're saying, oh, we're all Christian, we're all going, well, and we're okay. I'm not okay with that concerns me. 
Much of this is going to be controlled by, listen, and we, we got to be careful. And I don't want to get, be the old grandpa preacher, even though I am on staff. I am the old grandpa preacher. But we have changed what we allow to happen in our churches. And we wonder why society is the way it's gone, because we were the plumb liner. We used to be the plumb line. Now we're being laughed at. Because we used to have a standard. Used to be people respected somebody with a standard. Now we make fun of it and we tease it and we're just old, whatever you may be. And I'm trying to get on that road this evening. But listen, uh, uh, okay, let me go on here. They say the next disease that we'll be see battling in a major way is going to be diabetes. <laughs> diabetes has taken over much, uh, uh, has taken over uh, so many lives and so many families. What concerns me is there's not much talk about the cure. There's talk about how can, we get, how can we get by with it? How can we live with it? How can we, how can we uh, 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 deal with this? Instead of maybe controlling our life, how can I get by with it? My stepfather, Phil, and I'll give a personal moment and I'll get into the message. My stepfather, Phil, be 80, uh, I believe be 86 next month, if I got that right last time we talked on the phone. Uh, him and his mom got married. My, him and my mom got married the same year that Andrew and I got married. And we keep in contact. His, his, sister, his daughter's taking care of him and his needs right now. But years ago, for years, we made fun of Papa Phil. Because Papa Phil, <clears throat> at family gatherings, was very picky about what he ate. And we actually picked on him. And uh, we even say, you know what, Phil, mom has spent all this time making all this food and you won't eat it. And he'd just sit there and eat what he was going to eat. And he didn't care. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, it's like, what's wrong with him? Then? And uh, so finally after, well, first of all, when we first got married, he didn't talk. So after years of figuring out we're okay, he decided to talk to us. And uh, but what happened, here's what happened. The story is this. Phil had, uh, I believe it was uh, two brothers, no, a brother and two sisters. And they both died of diabetes. Lost fingers and toes and feet and legs. His, uh, I believe his brother uh, lived there by them, lost a leg and whatever. And Phil looked at his family and he said, I'm not going to go down that road that they're going down. He changed the way he ate. I know, I'm, I know this is a bad subject. You can't preach on food in church. I understand that. I'm just telling you the story. And he would actually sit there on a holiday family dinner with all the fixings and pick and choose what he was going to eat and not eat. And what was going to be sugar-free and not sugar-free. He's going to be 86 next month. His family's long gone. Who made the wiser choice? Family just taking the whatever it may have been to help them get along, or someone decide he's going to change the way he approached life every day, living daily. He decided, and what's happening, I see in even Christianity today, is that we try to take a pill to fix our woes instead of change the way we're living, or just get by with it. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. You will know there are things that we haven't seen yet. Do not be afraid. Get a grip in your patience. Possess your souls. Number two, 
There are personal issues that we need to grip, get a grip on. I'm going to be very personal with you tonight, very pastoral with you in this point this evening, because I am where you are. Things that happen to us on purpose, or some things are just a part of life. First of all, financial, financially, we look at retirement. We look at, do I have enough? The world scares you into believing, do you have enough money? You never have enough money. Am I right? You never have enough money. But the world scares you. you got, and do you realize the guy advertising for your money, he makes a living off of you? So he's taking your money. Okay, just want to make sure we're on the same page. All right. And, uh, but the stock market and the economy and the jobs and my investments can be affected uh, by one's life. People know what the Bible says about things, yet they don't practice it. Listen, listen, I remember the day uh, we had three children. Andrew had three children. Thank the Lord for her sacrifice. <laughs> With no health insurance. In the 80s, 90s, no health insurance. All three sincerian by birth. And we paid the doctors off along the way with no health insurance. With no health insurance. <laughs> we got by. And the kids are still alive. They haven't been repossessed yet. <laughs> but yet we're so worried today about some things we shouldn't be concerned about. Listen, you know your grandparents or your parents came through the Great Depression? Spent their day looking for food, not just money, trying to find food for the day for the family. Why can't we handle a little bit of turbulence in our life? Your parents or you made it through. I remember the 70s just being a teenager. Remember uh, the talk and the conversation about double digit, double digit inflation, high interest rates. How many remember the gas wars? And that's what we're all still alive and well. Get a grip. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Seems now every. It seems nowadays every time we get a new president, it costs us more money. <laughs> Welcome to America, the land of the money takers. Sometimes less, sometimes more. Now we have. You won't like this term. A national health care system. You say, you don't believe it's national? Oh, yeah, it's, it's national. It's controlled. It costs me more now monthly for a premium, plus it takes me more out of my pocket when I got to go to the hospital. What good did it do me? Other than it cost me more money. And I think it's even hurt a little bit in the medical field, shamefully enough. But you need to have it settled. I believe God's still in control of my health. And I believe God can guide me and lead me where I need to be, where I need to be at, and help me pay for it. But I got to pay for it. Well, I got a grip on things. It seems the more we learn, medically speaking, it seems like the more dangerous things really are. Health has, has, has a, is a big issue. And we got to learn maybe can we help ourselves control ourselves? Uh, and listen, you are going to hear of enemies who are going to rise up against us. As I mentioned already, number three, I'm going to hurry up and get out of here because I'm already going over. I can't believe I still have a voice. 
Number three is this, and finally, I love this promise. God says, I will give you wisdom. So the principle I live by, besides having um, settled in my heart how I'm going to approach things, and the principle I live by, besides having patience in my soul when things happen that are going to drive me crazy, is this, that I realize that God will give me wisdom to deal with it when I need it. To speak against the gainsayers, to, to speak about things that may be going on. Uh, I need to get a grip. God will give me the right thing to say. Listen, relationships may be rocky. You may have trouble getting along with some people, but get a grip. It'll be all right. Man, if your taxes rise or decrease or don't change, if, if you, uh, uh, listen, just get a grip. It's going to be okay. God will give you wisdom to deal with it. You and I have to decide what's right in the eyes of the Lord, and we need to stand by it. If standing for truth runs, listen, if standing for truth runs our church and the way I live into the ground, we're a whole lot better off doing it God's way than doing it man's way. I'm not in this for a man. I'm in this for the Lord. If standing for truth one day becomes an obstacle that we have to decide what we're going to do, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand? Oh, I'm just, just too shaky. I'm not, not, not too, uh, oh, I'm not too sure about this. Don't change it. Have it settled. Possess your soul with patience. I don't know if you ever took time to go through the scriptures. There's not one person in the word of God that was tested about their faith that knew what the outcome they were going through was going to be. Noah had no idea that that boat was going to float. He had no idea how long he was going to be in the ark with all those screaming, noise-making animals who I promise you were not, who were not, uh, what's the word I want, uh, uh, tranquilized. And I got a feeling it was the best smell in the world. No, he didn't know what was going to happen. All he knew was this. When the rain started coming, there were a whole lot of folks outside the ark that may be trying to get in. But he didn't know what was going to happen. Can you imagine when that boat lifted off the water? And he started floating. He said, man, I got a grip. <laughs> I got a grip because I don't know where we're headed, but we're heading somewhere. Mount Ararat, here we come. He had a grip on things. He didn't know what was going to happen. And as I kidded around a, while ago, a few weeks ago in class about that, no reason, no wonder he got drunk when he got out of there. You live like that for a while, what happened to you? You may try the same thing, amen? But he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know. He had a grip, though. He had a grip on what was going on. He possessed his soul. Patience to trust the Lord. Realized God gave him the wisdom to make it through. He was okay. Oh, Abraham. Can you imagine Abraham stands there above his only son? He's ready to bring the knife down. He didn't know it was going to happen. Oh, we speculate that he believed maybe God would resurrect his son. We speculate that, but it's not really any proof of that. 
It needed to be a sacrifice, right? We don't really know. But I bet he said, man, I got a grip on this knife. And thank God I waited that last little second to hear that little bye over there in the tickets. But he didn't know that was going to happen. Old Jacob, oh my word, when Esau was coming after him, he thought he was done. He was over with. And he should have been, by the way. Deceive me like that. I'm coming after you too with everything. I'm not going to be nice to you. Forgive you. Forget you. I'm going to get you. He didn't know. Oh, Joseph. I don't know if there's a more sombering story in Scripture than Joseph. What he went through for doing nothing. Had no idea one day he's going to be second in command in the mighty nation of Egypt. He's going to save his people from the famine. He had no idea what was going to happen. But I promise you, he had a grip on his soul. He had a grip on what was going to happen. And he knew he was going to be all right. And I could go on and on and on through Scripture. Poor Moses. Oh, my word, Moses. And Joshua and Gideon and Jephthah and Deborah and Esther and Ruth and, oh, my word, Job. Lose all your belongings and your family. Can you imagine going home tonight, your home not be there? Can you imagine, pick up the phone and call your kids and there's no answer? He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to go on there. And listen, let me, what I'm saying is this. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But we've got to sell it in our hearts, what we're going to do about it. How we're going to accept it when it comes. We've got to get a grip on this. Because if not, it's going to tear us up. It's going to run us off. And we're going to be long gone. They just hung in there. The three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. <laughs> I got a film. They didn't, had no idea when the fire department was showing up on that deal. But they knew somebody else was walking around with them. And they hung in there. You just hang in there tonight. It's going to be all right. It's going to work out. Amen. We have a God that's got a plan, has it all planned out, what's going to happen. And the worst thing, I look at it this way, the worst thing that happens to Barry Murray is that he, op he opens his eyes in the presence of his Savior. That's settled already. So bring it on, world. I got to settle where I'm headed. Bring it on. Doesn't mean I don't worry. Doesn't mean I don't have doubts. Doesn't mean I got it all figured out. But I understand the end, the end game is. At least I know where I'm headed at the end game. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. Lord, I pray. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.